Welcome to Talking Talk, the podcast from the media by us. Who joining me today is TJ. Yep. Brent. Hi. And we're still Sans David. We miss him very much. David, we'll see you soon. Uh, we didn't Skype him in. Uh, he's busy raising a baby. That sounds hard. Nah. Why'd you pick now to open <laughs> I'm your beer? sorry. You asked me like five times if I was ready to start. I know. It's my <laughs> fault. Um, Brandon is back from assignment. He was in the, uh, the, the middle South. Um, but he's back today. So we've yep. got him here crammed in my office. I can report safely that Missis- North Mississippi's roads are still brown. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. That drive to, did I drive straight to Memphis first? No, we went to Huntsville for a night. Um, Space camp? <laughs> Huntsville. <laughs> the city that never sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had family there, so that's where that's what we did in Huntsville. And then nice. we, we went from Huntsville to Memphis. And that that drive like, is boring. That's, yeah, it's a bad drive. Yeah. That drive makes you think about just, I don't know, it makes you sad. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple reasons. Puts you in a dark hole. <laughs> yeah. You start thinking, like, this is a... This is a major highway, like a U.S. highway, and I haven't seen a grocery store in like three hours. Like, what? what how do these people live? There's some exit there in like North Mississippi. It's called Ingram's Mill, and there's a band that's semi-famous that Cassandra's buddies with. Um, they're called Ingram Hill, and we made that drive to Memphis eight or nine years ago. We went to a music festival up there. And uh, I was like, hey, Ingram's Mill, that's really close to the band name. And she was like, that's where they got their band name from. And I was like, that's sad. <laughs> it's a bad reason for a band name. Yeah. Shitty exit with no gas stations. No offense, Ingram's Hill. Um, so we also uh, have no direction again today. So we have asked some people, friends of the podcast, uh, to text us random words. And we're going to talk about those like a... Um, I like to pitch it uh, in my backronym style of retconning as this is the therapy for people who bet on Arizona to go, not Arizona, Virginia to go all the way in March Madness. I like that. Um, after losing to... Arizona too, though. Oh, they lost too? Yeah, they were they were a Final Four. I they mean, were they a four were, seed, They were right? a four seed, but they, a lot of people had them. They have the, the best player in the country, supposedly. I now know three teams that made it to this year's tournament. <laughs> Arizona, Virginia, and... Baltimore County. I wonder yeah. like, if we got somebody, like Cassandra, not a big fan of sports, but obsessed with March Madness. I wonder if we got somebody like like David's wife yeah. to like start naming colleges, see how many you can get to, like a minefield, before you name one that didn't make the tournament. I wonder how far she can get. Well, well, I she, would about, say, she would probably say Georgia, Georgia out, out immediately. immediately. Right. I thought about trying to make my predictions on my Final Four without knowing any teams that were in the tournament. <laughs> Ooh, what, what would they be? Okay, so, right they, now. so they would be Duke. All right, they're a two seed. They're still alive. Uh, Kentucky? They're a four seed. Five seed. They're still alive. Uh, they're in Virginia's bracket, so they've got a good um, <laughs> Let's see. I would do <laughs> probably UCLA. I don't think they're in the tournament. <laughs> well, nobody gets them all. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's and, just as wrong as everybody else it's today. True. Yeah, <laughs> as good as those people who pick Virginia. And then I would pick uh, probably. There's always two schools that I just pick one of the two to make it the final four every year. It's just I've just liked them since I was a kid. So Xavier and Villanova. I just like the names. Uh, so, they're both one seeds. <laughs> really? Yeah. Damn! I should pay attention this year. <laughs> the one that I always just blindly pick, knowing nothing about like men's basketball in college, is uh, Gonzaga. Oh yeah. And I read an article today on Five Thirty Eight. Uh, Gonzaga is the most likely team to win at every seed, to lose at every seed. Oh, nice! <laughs> because they've gotten to the tournament in so many different positions, right? And they've won at like 
you know, astronomically low odds for the tournament. Yeah. It, and a lot of them, but they've also lost their fair share. Right. But they are, like, they have a 36% chance to make it before any other team, to lose in every seeding. Yeah, they have a weird, like, that mid-major powerhouse spot. Like, they're a huge basketball school with a lot of recognition, and they also play nobody. Yeah. They're the Georgia Tech of college basketball. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be George Tech? <laughs> um, but so we don't know anything about uh, March Madness, or at least I don't. And nope. it's at my house, so we decided to not talk about basketball movies again. So I think I win this one because yeah. I hated the basketball draft we did last year. Um, so instead of resurrecting that, uh, we're just gonna do some some fun game at the end. That's not really a game. But okay. We're just gonna chat. Are we doing any watch list? We're yeah. gonna do watch list first, though. Chris, what you what you got? Um, so I've watched uh, two TV shows, played a new game, and one movie. And I know that you've seen the movie because we went together. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. use, save that till the Day end. Date night. <laughs> but uh, so I've watched two TV shows. Uh, I watched season two of Jessica Jones. I never saw the first season. Jessica Jones did a uh, seem to. Uh, be more to my liking than the other Defender shows that were on. Yeah. I watched the first few episodes of Daredevil. Never got to D'Onofrio, which I, I heard was the point. Yeah. Um, where it got real good. Yes. But Jessica Jones sounded intriguing to me. I don't know anything about that comic book character at all. Yeah, it's... Well, just not to make good cast, but she is a person who, when she was a kid, was involved in an accident... And from that accident was operated on by some scientist who did experiments and gave her powers. And her powers are basically just, like, superhuman strength, but not, like, crazy. And, uh, whatever comes with that. So she can, she can't fly, but she can jump really high. And that's, like, a running gag in the first season. Okay. Um, but that's it. And she's a private investigator. Okay. So, So the whole thing is, uh, the whole... Because, you know, each of the Defender series are different. Like, Iron Fist is a kung fu movie. Um, <clears throat> Luke Cage is like a black exploitation movie. Um, you know, they, they all play on that. Daredevil's a noir. Right. Yeah. So this is like a hard-boiled detective story. Right. Um, and she's a private investigator. Uh, but the second season is good. It's not as good as the first season. David Tennant is in the first season, and he's fucking electrical in the first season of it. Like, David Tennant is the reason to watch it. And... Uh, is he a... He's a villain. Okay, sweet. I, I do have one unique endorsement of Jessica Jones, at least season one, and that is uh, my wife, who always enjoys Marvel stuff, but definitely does not try to keep up with it at all, loved Jessica Jones. Didn't cool. watch any of the other Defender shows, but nice. she really liked Jessica Jones. Fun. Yeah, it's really good. Season two is also good. Not, I, I wouldn't be so full-throated about it as I would about season one. Um, but, but season two is good. It's fun. It's... Um, um, kind of deals with more of Jessica's backstory uh, than the first season does, uh, but it's it's every episode is hit or miss, and it is it is true to the hard boiled detective genre. Like some of the dialogue and voiceovers are really eye rolly and really groany, but that's it seems intentional mm-hmm. because it's you know she's like like staking somebody out as her role as a PI. And is taking pictures of some, like, guy who's cheating and has this voiceover that's like, you know, he's got everything. The job, the money, the beautiful wife. 
but some men just have an appetite that can't be filled. And it's like, it's that kind of shit. Yeah. They're like, you know, it's it's a ride, and season two is just as much of one, and it's fun. Cool. Um, not fantastic. Um, if, you know, this were MCU-style ranking, it's probably in the mid-tier. Uh, I think Jessica Jones season one, Daredevil season one, and Luke Cage are all up there. And then, you know, probably the top of the mid-tier is the next Jessica Jones season. Has and Daredevil done a second season yet? Yeah. Okay. Um, and Daredevil's second season was, like, all about the Hand, which is, like, the secret, yeah. like, clan that controls all the drugs in New York, and it just gets, like, Elektra plays a bigger role in it, and it's just fucking bullshit. But it's less bullshit than the Iron Fist, so. <laughs> it's, weird. it's weird that it's called the Hand, because when I was a kid, I was really worried about the, the New York uh, organization that bothered me the most was the Foot Clan. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... That's weird. So that's what the Foot Clan was parodying. Oh, yeah, yeah fun. It was intentional because okay. you know TMNT started as a satire yeah. of comics. It was ultra violent, and it was turtles instead, and whatever. Okay. But so the Foot was making fun of the Hand. Okay, um, nice. Because the Hand does get ridiculous. Because the Hand has guess how many leaders? Five. Yes. <laughs> guess what they're called? Fingers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You nailed it. Like so, so oh Iron God. Fist gets gets ridiculous because it stays true to that. But okay. um, this this kind of recenters after the Defenders season um, back to like we're going to tell a story about Jessica. Mm-hmm. Like we did our everyone comes together, kind of like the the Thor Ragnarok thing. Okay, like all right, we're going to just like point our needle back to the, the the titular season, and it's it's all about Jessica and her backstory, which it's good. Cool. Um, but yeah, I watched that, and I also, and I'm so happy Brent's here for this, because after we recorded our Oscar pad, podcast, I like, you know, I'm not going to say what I was planning on, <laughs> but uh, I I made a claim, like somebody who just blurts things out without paying attention to social cues, uh, that I was going to uh, start watching anime so I could talk about it on the podcast, and I finished a series. Nice. I watched the anime Steins Gate. It's like it won the Reddit anime like bracket of death for best anime of all time. Wow! So I thought like I'm gonna watch it. Like yeah. it's probably good. Um, and it's good. <laughs> but like, probably shouldn't have won the bracket. No, no, no. It sent me down a slippery slope where I'm like, I guess I need to watch the other ones because if they're not worse, then they did a bad job at this bracket. <laughs> or anime just sucks. One of the two. But it's 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 fun. The same way that we get infatuated with like interesting sci-fi premises, it is that. It's a guy who is a self-branded mad scientist who decides that he is going to invent a time machine. And, like, spends a lot of his free time going to, like, science conferences and, like, making a spectacle about telling people who think that time travel is not possible. They're, like, they're ridiculous. They're just not, like, trying hard enough. He's the mad scientist. He'll figure it out. He'll crack the code. Um, Fast forward to they stumble upon a way that they, like, accidentally realize that they can send text messages and emails back in time, which doesn't seem like it would have a lot of effect. But then, like... If they think about, uh, they call it the phone microwave because it is a phone connected to a microwave that they broke the door off the microwave by accident, 
And so, like, now, it just, like, with the radio waves, like, whatever, the microwaves, it just, it just does it. Um, science. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it plays fast and loose with science in a way that's like, okay, that's funny. Because right. you guys obviously don't give a shit. Right. Um, but so then they think about, like, this major event that happened. And they think, like, is there a message that I can send that can alter that decision that I personally made? Because I'll send a text message from my best friend's phone. And so it's like, it makes more sense like that. Um, but so the the main thrust of the show is that he alters time to the point where he realizes that no matter what he does, no matter how he tries to fix the current situation, his childhood friend gets murdered. Or dies accidentally or something. And he's stuck in a loop. No matter what they do, she keeps dying. And so it's all about how to <clears throat> keep their time travel technology. And it's not about, like, pride. But keep the time travel technology, but also make sure that his childhood friend doesn't die. And it's like, well, what if I undo this step? And then he undoes it, and he, like, plays it plays it out. And they can only go back 48 hours, which is, you know, one, another MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, so, you know, does the two days of, like, impacting people's, like, decisions... And goes back 48 hours and, you know, she dies because she gets hit by a train. And he's like, well, all right, well, I'm going to make it so that she doesn't try to go to this convention. And so he goes back in time and, like, her friend gets mad that she doesn't go to this convention. So she gets shot by her friend who was, like, super jealous. And, like, so that's that's kind of the part that's interesting. Yeah. But it is full of anime trappings that I thought that, like, the best anime of all time isn't going to have. Yeah. Um, so, a little disappointed, but I'm still, I'm still like, on for the fucking ride. Nice. Um, and excited that I could have, like, a like a platform where I can say, you know, <clears throat> if you want to watch a thing with an interesting plot that is animated well, but it has some, like, you know, tropes in it. And then they, they make fun of anime watchers during this show. So that's kind of fun. Like, there's a character who's, like, the fat guy who's, like, the hacker. Yeah. And he's, like, constantly trying to get, like, the women who he's around to, like, repeat things. It's like, you know, someone will be like, oh, that's, that's, like, that sounds like it'd be a really hard job. And he's like, do it again. Say hard job, but slow now. <laughs> so it's, like, making fun of, like, right, the anime type, the otaku. Um, but... You did a good job of selling it. It sounds interesting. <clears throat> yeah, and it is. Um, if there was like a super cut of just the interesting parts of it, I would like wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, but there's so much filler. There's so much fluff because they've got to do... It's two seasons. Um, it's on Crunchyroll. You can watch it with ads or if you feel like, you know, doing their 14-day free trial, then you can watch it without ads in like no time. Um, but it was interesting. Um, and I'm going to keep kind of going down the rabbit hole. Cool. Um Anime is a blind spot, and I want to see what's there. Nice. And the last thing I want to talk about <clears throat> without anyone else is uh, I started playing a game uh, called Surviving Mars. Yeah, I saw you playing it earlier. It looked really cool. It is a game like The Sims, except you're on Mars. And so you you pick a sponsor, company, or nation. You pick uh, your profession, like rocket scientist or whatever, and it gives you, like, benefits or drawbacks. Mars survivalist. <laughs> uh, and you uh, you try and colonize Mars yeah. with, um, like, a fleet of drones that can manufacture things. But it's it's the Sims, right? Like, buildings need power. 
any building that that uh, people are colonists are going to live in need uh, pipes and an oxygen generator and a water generator. Whether it's something that pulls water vapor out of the atmosphere, <clears throat> or you've discovered from your scans that you know there's water in Mars, like. Whatever it is, like you need water, oxygen for people, and you need power for your drones to build things. Um, <clears throat> but it's cool because there's uh, you're given a finite number of resources. Like a, I, I picked the first one, which is like the easiest like scenario, which is you are the international Mars colonization mission. So it's got like like tons of money mm -hmm. and you have five rockets which you can send that have supplies from earth and that have like a bunch of people if you want to like bring colonists to mars so it makes it super easy or you can get to like bare bones it's published by paradox interactive which is a studio out of like i think scandinavia somewhere you can say that like the person sponsoring this mission to mars is paradox so you have a budget of like three million dollars and that's it you have enough for, like, one rocket and, like, one drone hub. And like, everything that you do has to be done by these automated workers. And you can't really tell them what to do. You can just, like, if there's a grid <clears throat> that has metal, it's got concrete, it's got water, and it's got oxygen, you can just, like, position your drone hub as best you can in the middle of those. And you put it there and you hit go. And other than telling it what buildings to build... You just have to trust it to get resources mine the right in thing. the optimal way. Right. Um, there's nothing you can do other than tier the optimization between like highest priority, lowest priority, or middle priority. So other than that, it's just like, all right, I've got automated workers. They should go. Neat. And the same thing when you get That's colonists. Fun. You can get certain professions. And you can go, I've got 10 botanists and two engineers, and I've got six available botany jobs and six available engineering jobs. You can say like, like you can build those buildings and you can hope that the six botanists end up in the botany jobs and then the two engineers end up, end up in the engineering job. There's no guarantee because they have quirks where they're like lazy or they don't care or they're alcoholics and they like lower morale and make people quit that job. But you just like you build the dome and you go, all right, I got 12 people coming in. They can either work in their profession or they don't have to. And you just kind of like set up the systems and then you say go and you try and optimize how the systems are set up to make it work and it's fun. Nice. Um, came out on Friday, so this is this is, you know, the newest game I've played um, that I've talked about on the podcast, other than probably got a couple hours in too, probably. Yeah, I've got I think like five hours in. I went to bed really late last night because I just like it's one of those games where you just lose time. Yeah. Um, I could run it at three times speed, but I feel like that's not disingenuous, but I just don't want that to happen. Yeah, not yet, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Once I get more comfortable with the system... Or like you reboot it to do something different. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's... it's If you like SimCity um, and you want, like, that extra challenge of, like, the unknown, because there's a tech tree which, like, helps you optimize all the buildings and, like, increase drone speed or, you know, like, you know, when you harvest metals, you get, like plus one every time like it's randomized in the tech tree which is fun and makes sense because it's like this is the first colony to mars like who knows what's going to happen who knows what the like, technological breakthroughs sure. are going to be out there um that yeah, sounds fun yeah um it's i i would probably wait till it got a little 
uh, more affordable. You know, I don't normally buy games on release, but I watched uh, Day Nine played it a bunch because he's friends with the developer and he got a free copy and he disclosed his partnership. But that was some successful fucking marketing because I was you know playing into the breach, which is the hybrid between gameplay and strategy, like The Sims, and then. I wanted to just play full strategy because I went Celeste into the breach and then this. He's so good too, though. Yeah, Day Nine. He's yeah. great. I mean, from the you know way more video games than most people, but not more than anybody who plays a lot of video games. I love his channel. It's great. Yeah. And then speaking of space and uh, weird shit, uh, I saw one movie this week. Um, had a couple of rewatches. I think one that's going to inspire a talk fan pick for me. Uh-huh. Um, but so I'm gonna keep that in the pocket. We gotta figure out what that schedule is again. I've completely Who knows? forgotten. Yeah, yeah no. Next we're, week we'll get on board. This, this is what <laughs> this is what being crowded in my office is. Is it's like this is this is gap fill till we get back to normal. Um, I like it here. I, was, I keep looking at all the books and I was like, I want to read that and that and that and that. Yeah, take anything you want, man. Um, but uh, I watched Annihilation with TJ. Yeah. Um, then I've been, I see the timer is at 21 minutes, so I'm going to let TJ kind of lead into Annihilation and we can talk about how he felt about it after that. Yeah, no, it's a um, um, super sci-fi movie thriller at times, I guess. But uh, I've read the book, which is the first of a three-part series, real short sci-fi novels. I think Kelly has read them too, right? Chris's girl. She's read the first book. Okay. Um, but essentially there's a thing that happened on the west coast of the USA, an event of some sort where, uh, the New England, isn't it? No. Or is, oh, it's west coast? Yeah. Okay. Um, New England is where Kelly thought it was. I thought it was in Africa from the book. They don't say where it is in the book. Okay. I thought it was like, there's a lighthouse. I thought it was like Chesapeake. No, it's Northern California. Oh, cool. But, uh, there's an event that happens. This thing gets created. It's called the Shimmer. Essentially, a wall that surrounds this lighthouse where this thing from outer space landed, hit, uh, and they send a bunch of teams in there. The military does. The U.S. government sends a bunch of teams in there, trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and uh, they never come back. So you follow Natalie Portman's character, whose husband was on the previous team, played by Oscar Isaac. Yeah, one of the podcast faves. I thought you were going to say fan. I was like, yes! <laughs> we did! Yeah. Oscar, you don't even have to tell your friends. This is all for you. But, uh, so she goes in with uh, four other women on the 10th team, I believe, to go into the, the zone, the the shimmer. And uh, Jennifer Jason Lee plays one of them. Yep. Um, uh, Tessa Thompson plays one. Tessa Thompson. Uh, I forget. Uh, yeah, Natalie Perez, is that her name? No. Uh, you're going to hear my keyboard for a second. Yeah. I'll try to talk over it. I will say Tessa Thompson is on a roll right now. Tessa Man. Thompson is fucking, like, from Thor Ragnarok. Not that that was, like, her, you know, yeah. her coming out. But, yeah. She was also in Creed, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's great in that movie. Yeah, and she's about to be in that Lakeith Stanfield movie that looks crazy. Yeah, it looks so fun. It looks, it looks like a... <laughs> It looks like a Michelle Gondry movie. That looks like The Science of Sleep. Um, but anyway, it's uh, them going into the Shimmer and and uh, you're looking for the cast list for what was the name of the movie? Annihilation. <laughs> I was about to read Passengers, and I was like, no, that's not the movie. Um, it's all what happens in the Shimmer. Well, while they're in there, uh, 
that's funny seeing the movie. The yeah. number two Google result for for typing A N N I is annihilation, meaning. And if I knew it, I'd, I'd make a website about it, probably. Sure, because it is a uh, pretty loosey goosey. Yeah, Gina Rodriguez. Oh, she's from uh, Jane the Virgin, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. And then the other person on the team is Tuva Novotny, who's a um, uh, Swedish sw- actress. <laughs> yeah. Born um, in Stockholm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's she's been in stuff that we that recognize. Uh, <laughs> it was organized the wrong way. Dear Alice, that was a movie that was popular, right? No, no it wasn't. <laughs> never mind. If you're really into Danny Glover movies, Bang Bang Rangatang, that's what everyone knows. Okay, yeah. our mistake. She's not in a lot. Yeah, you, she is in a lot. Well, that you have more. that you might know because like her face is. Facey Hollywood face. That is the face of some somebody with a face. Enhance. Enhance. But now I'm going to go back and it's going to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I decided. He just went full like NCIS on it. It was great. Enhance. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw a GIF recently of them. Uh, it's uh, Kiff and Zap Brain again, where he's like trying to uh, zoom in on Leela's like boobs or her like legs. And he's like enhance. He's like, why is it so unclear? And Kiff goes, it doesn't make the resolution better. <laughs> he's like, this is year three thousand and one. Haven't we figured that out? They did that on CSI. Oh, it's so good, man. But anyway, yeah, the movie had an amazing sound. Uh, amazing like production design. Uh, Benedict Wong is the other one who plays a really small role for for somebody who's on the cover of Infinity Wars. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the movie as a whole. I mean, I think I gave it three three and a half stars on Letterbox somewhere in there. It's uh, it's a little little loosey for me, and I thought the acting was particularly awful at times. How did it get three and a half stars? Just from like the techni- technically technically the visual effects and. Sound editing and mixing, honestly, if it got three Oscar nominations, I wouldn't be shocked. Sounds like a movie I should, if we're gonna see it, definitely see it in the theater. Because if, if you're talking about visuals and sound, uh, maybe you can probably see it fine, like close up on a TV. You're uh, knowing Brent's setup, surround sound, and a TV that's moderate size that's not far away from you. I live the good up. life, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not that kind of visual effects and sound necessarily. The yeah. Sound editing is way more impressive than the sound mixing. Yeah, this it sounds weird, yeah, but like I get that. Yeah. The, the visual, <laughs> I know it. <laughs> the visual effects that are good are more concepts executed well. Uh huh. Um, there's a thing that they do. This is not a spoiler because we're going to keep this kind of spoiler free. Good. It's um, they show uh, you know how you, this. Is, all right, I should just say it, but I won't. Um, you know how you see the picture of like the the silhouette of the couple after like a nuclear blast. And it's like the shadow of them, oh, right, like yes. holding hands. Yes, like, yes, they do something similar to that, but instead, it's like the shape of a human being, but made out of vines and flowers. Yeah, interesting. And it's like, and that might be more production design, but it's it's stuff like that. And it's like the way that they iterate on the because they 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 say this in the trailer is there's unstable genetic mutation happening in the shimmer. Um, and the way that they that they express that, I think, is phenomenal. It's really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, they have giant trees made out of, like, salt crystals. Yeah. Because these salt crystal trees are an echo of 
the DNA of the trees or something. Well, yeah, I think when I say visual effects and sound, I think like you have multi, you have like uh, the Last Jedi mm-hmm. kind of sound and visual, where I think you need to be in a theater with a big screen and good sound. Then you have like amazing, amazing, amazing uh, sound and visual effects in a movie like Ex Machina, which doesn't need that. Uh-huh. And this definitely leans toward the Ex Machina side. It's subtle. Yeah, that's the best part about it. Is the best parts about the visual effects are the the kind of corner of your eye, like peripheral visual effects. Yeah, mm-hmm. Al- almost like <clears throat> like it feels like they solved the uncanny value problem with these, in the same way that Ex Machina did. Is you want to award a movie like The Last Jedi for like being fantastical in a great way, mm-hmm. like pushing it to eleven and being like, you know, that was phenomenal. But this is like everything feels so grounded, yeah. Even though it's obscure and it's strange it's, and it's abnormal, yeah. it's like this is the Dale Day Lewis acting, and Last Jedi is like Gary Oldman, yeah, like. Yeah, you know, in your face. You were shooting for this, but like, you had to do. They're this both really incredible, well. but yeah. they're, they're totally different. Different. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But Annihilation, I recommend. It's. I like, definitely would recommend it. It was definitely interesting. Definitely fun. It's it's a really fun shot across the bow for what. Um, not to talk about Oscars again, Brent, but uh, it's a really fun shot across the bow of like what a an Oscar nominated movie should be. Is it should be a spectacle in some degree, and I think this does it really well with. The sound and the visual effects. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it... It's a really clever sci-fi plot that... I've heard from you and Kelly, TJ, that uh, that the book kind of pulls off... Not better, but in a more convincing or articulate way. Um, this spends no time trying to articulate why the crazy sci-fi things are happening. It's just like, here you go. Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, the book is a, a straight up a diary... Of a scientist. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. It is her diary. From, and, from her experience in the Shimmer. So. I mean, and it takes, and, and it spends three books of her diary entries, or of someone's diary entries, kind of discussing what's happening to her and the things around her. And this is like, you know, it's not short, but it still feels tight. Um, I, I had a hard time thinking about what I would cut out, you know, some of the transition scenes. No, the length was great. I mean, I, I thought. I know that we talked about some of the some of some of the like some of the scenes uh, in position like on location shoots. I think would have been really really effective as walk and talks. Maybe um, because the the thing about annihilation is it is intentionally disorienting, um, yeah. and makes you not understand place by never showing them moving from one location to the next. They just wake up and they're there. Or that, they... That fits with the story. Right. It, it, it puts the viewer in that spot. Right. The which is fun. day one, day five kind of journal yeah. entry. Because um, you don't write about days two through four where you're just like walking through the jungle. Like, shit's yeah, gross. It's the whole like, you know, they never wield their guns. Right. Argument. Like, like actors you don't have to see it all. They don't poop. Yeah, characters yeah. in movies never poop. <laughs> right. Except for that guy from Dunkirk who never got to poop. <laughs> we just know he needed to. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point for that argument, though. It's like, this guy obviously pooped at some point. We didn't see that. It's Chekhov's poop, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's uh, Annihilation. I would recommend it. Um, yeah, I don't think you need to see it in the theaters. It, it feels like a headphones movie to me. Like, oh, I think that on a screen call. with your headphones, 
is fine. Um, Not a spectacle, though. Yeah. Um, But that's all I did, you know, a couple TV shows. Uh, I I picked the next anime. Uh, If you guys want to hear the the quick preview, it's what sold me on it. Yeah. It's called... uh, Fuck, I already forgot. No. It's called... Phil, 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 I wrote a note in it on my phone. It's called... Really bad title. It's called Psychopaths. This is a bad title. <laughs> it is, you know, near future. Um, video recording has gotten to a point where it can also record a person's hue. And like Minority Report, they can determine whether somebody in a video is going to do something based on the their color of the hue, their aura surrounding yeah. them. Neat. So, that's that's the next thing. I walked the first five minutes and I, you know, didn't get into it. But yeah. Before we go to Brent, for Brent's watch list real quick, I think it's hilarious. Uh, one thing about Annihilation, I read a review from director, uh, one of my favorite directors, Florida Project. Sean Baker. Sean Baker. Um, had written and he was like, uh, he got his Chris approach on Letterboxd. I follow him on Letterboxd. He doesn't write anything, but he his review was just like, go see this movie. Alice Garland is trying to do really cool stuff. Yeah. And uh, I realized Alice Garland is the guy who directed Ex Machina. He's directed two movies. So ah. that makes sense while we're comparing the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one reason to go see it is to support this director who I, I do agree is like trying cool shit yeah. with sci-fi. It's fun. So yeah, go see that. But anyway, watch list on to, to Blackwell. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the last time we I did this. Uh, I feel it's, like it's been a while. We talked about that last time we recorded, and it had been a while since last week, so, so this is plus one. I'm just kind of... I don't have a ton of movies I've watched since Oscar season, so I'm just going to hit like the three or four that are notable. Yeah. Um, I watched, uh, for the first time, it was a 19... So, uh, by the way, I've, I've changed up. After watching 10,000 BC and then watching 100 million BC, I decided to break Oracle... And I'm uh, 100 million BC. By the way, Chris is a uh, uh, what's Asylum? Asylum? Asylum Asylum movie? By the way, yeah, 100 million BC. Guys, watch the first 30 minutes of it. (laughs) Get have a couple beers and then turn on the first 30 minutes of uh, 100 million BC. That bad? You will you will be delighted. It is very very funny. I might be on. on, We're recording this. We lose David the parent, and we're like, let's make podcast at 10 p.m. and get drunk. That's that's what's happening now. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess I didn't break it. I just uh, I recalibrated it to after uh, after watching a lot of Oscar movies. I decided to continue watching Oscar movies, and I'm watching movies. I'm working off a list of every movie that's ever been nominated for an Oscar, cool. and just kind of going down that list, trying to catch that's up on fun. things. Mix it up. Things I feel like I should have seen. <sighs> and so the first one was a 1957 western, which I'd heard of but never seen. Was 310 to Yuma. Oh, cool. The original, yeah. And we were, we had talked recently about how, I think, I know you're not, you can't get into westerns? Yes. Are you? I'm also the same. You're the same? This is, I can't I can't guarantee that you would like this, but this is less of a western than it is a psychological thriller. And then, real quick to interrupt, my thing is always like, it's hard for me to sit down and watch a western. Mm-hmm. Once I see Unforgiven, or The Good, The Bad, The Ugly... I love them. You're like, that's a great movie. But it's just hard for me to get in that mood. Yeah. yeah. This had a great score. It's uh, it's really interesting. I don't know if you know the plot of 310 to Yuma. Roughly. I saw the remake. It's, it's a train going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, 
So there's a notorious outlaw named Ben Wade who is playing the original by <laughs> named Three Ten. <laughs> he's played by Glenn Ford, and uh, he is captured in this small town, and basically he has a gang that is can easily outman this like small town like three deputies or whatever, and they are trying to figure out what to do with him because they need to get him to authorities and. Uh, they have very few options. They have to they have to go a long way to do that. So they devise a plan, which is to load up a stagecoach, tr- do like a sleight of hand, trick his gang into thinking he is still on the stagecoach, but smuggle him off and actually get this rancher who needs some money to take him to uh, this train station in the opposite direction. So basically, they're going to lure the gang away with the stagecoach. And he is going to be one on one with this rancher who's just in, he's just in his custody. Uh-huh. And it turns out to be, uh, I forget the actor who played the rancher, but the, the dynamic between those two is great because Ben Wade basically spends the entire movie, uh, playing psychological games with the farmer nice, and just being like, like testing him pretty much like testing his will and his resolve because the farmer's going to be paid like $200 for delivering him. And Wade's like, keeps upping the ante, like keeps saying, I'll give you a thousand. And, yeah. and I promise that we won't kill your wife and your boy, you know, yeah. that like, it, it, so it's really, he keeps testing him. But as the movie goes on, he starts to, you can tell that Ben, Ben Wade's a very complex character, the villain. And he starts to kind of, you can see him building respect for the farmer. As the farmer resists huh. his his, his torture, and so it's it's it, w- it wound up being really great. So hearing, I know, hearing your description, I understand now why people were upset with the remake because the remake sounds like I, I saw three ten the human theaters, the new one in twenty ten. I think twenty ten. I saw the theaters too. I don't remember much about it though. To be honest, with it you. did not sound like that. Two thousand seven. So is it, the, is it similar in plot? I know you saw them both. Yeah, I watched the other one right after, and uh, it's I liked it. It's good. It's the the fifties one is better. Um, is it the same? It is. It is generally the same plot. Plays a few things who, different. Do you mind? Uh, Russell Crowe plays Ben Wade, and Christian Bale plays the farmer. Okay. Um, they is make so it. Is there a third? Like name? Um, no? maybe not. I might be wrong on that. No, I think there is. Uh, it's been a few weeks. Um. See who else. Is While there. you're looking, there was a conversation I had recently with uh, uh, Kelly, my partner's dad, uh, where I told him I admitted I was like I don't like I don't I don't have like the the wherewithal to sit down and watch gene. a western. Yeah, and he was like, he told me two movies. One of them I can't find streaming anywhere, so I've lost the name of it. But I need to ask him again. Uh, the other one, he he said three ten to Yuma, the original version. Yeah, like it's supposed I, to be really good. Yeah, so there's uh. The you may be thinking of uh, Ben Foster in the new one. Okay, maybe he is. Uh, he is basically the number two in the gang. Okay, and it's a much elevated character from the first one. Like in the first okay. one, you don't really know that character from the other. It's a gang. It's a gang. Yeah, and in the second one, it's mostly just he. Ben Foster, maybe the earliest version of Ben Foster, just completely unhinged. Ben Foster, nice. being like terrifying. He's the best part of the remake. Oh, okay. fun! Yeah, cool. he is. It's the it's the one good decision I think the the one good change in the in the new one but I definitely recommend go I would recommend either um, but I recommend the older one cool. it's uh it's it was good, really good really sell. good yeah um, 
So, I also watched, go back, um, I watched uh, The 400 Blows, which is one of those movies that I've always heard about. And is that yeah. Truffaut? Yeah, it's Truffaut's yeah. first movie. And it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely the masterpiece that it, you know, uh, uh, everyone says it is. Yeah. It's, I never knew what it was about. It's about basically, it's a very depressing movie because it is about... <laughs> Well, knowing what we know of Truffaut now. It was one of my friend in college. <laughs> the time, people were like, let's see who this new director is. Yeah. It was in college, in college and high school, and my, uh, one of my best friends, uh, it was one. Of, it was his favorite movie for a long time. Oh. And knowing him, like, of course it's going to be depressing. <laughs> AC? Yeah. Yeah, he, he, this is a guy who, like, uh, always had an extra copy of Breathless just to give to people who hadn't seen Breathless. Yep. <laughs> he would give I still away, have mine. Yeah, he would give away his copy of Breathless and then just go immediately buy another copy of Breathless. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's uh it's it's it reminds me of the Florida Project if you like the Florida Project in that it, the story of like uh have you seen the 400 blows? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, it's you know how the, the Florida Project you just feel bad for the kids who just don't seem to have a chance. Yeah, yeah. Like, not their choice. Right. Yeah. Well, the 400 blows isn't it's not exactly like that. It's not like he's in a terrible situation. He goes to a nice school and he he has like parents with money, but his parents just don't. The, everyone just has. He just he's a victim of bad timing and just kind of general negligence by like teachers and parents. Not in a bad way, but just in a way that just snowballs into kind of like pushing right, him right personality, right circumstances, pushing him into delinquence. Sure. And okay. it's it's uh anyway, it's a very beautiful movie. It's uh. It's amazing that Truffaut made it when he kids was really like, good, right? was like 26 or something. Yeah, the kid's really good in it. And I never knew this. I always thought it was just kind of a standalone movie, but Truffaut made like four more movies with the same kid actor, like, as he grew up. Almost, oh, nice. like, almost like boyhood style. Yeah, fuck you, boyhood. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Truffaut. Yeah, so, uh, anyway, I'd recommend it, but not, you know, not. it's not the most fun to right, watch. Right, right. But it's, it's really impressive that's that's the media bias cosine to like the whole bucket full of water of everyone who says 400 blows is supposed to be an incredible fucking movie right yeah i I, yeah i definitely get why people would say that and sure yeah um i watched uh 45 years which uh got charlotte rampling a nomination Uh, i actually decided i haven't seen that i have seen it but it is one of those that i wouldn't check the box on that you don't remember enough about it yeah yeah oh um yeah, it got her an Oscar nomination like two, three years ago and yeah. uh, for Best Actress. And it was one of those movies at the time that I would just be like, I'm never going to see that. Right. And it's on Netflix. It's really, really good. She is phenomenal, yeah, I loving it. phenomenal in the movie. It's about... Uh, it's also a really interesting plot, which is... Also uh, very depressing. The one thing I remember is being six, <laughs> very upset. I think six days before her and her husband's 45th wedding anniversary party... Uh, he gets a notification, he gets a phone call saying that they have found uh, his ex-girlfriend's body who was lost in the, like, hiking in the Alps like three years before he met Charlotte Rampling. And so he, like, the he is flooded with all these, like, old memories of of this girl who he was in love with and he's suddenly dealing with that and then but it's watching her watch him deal with that, right. which is really incredible in the movie. Yeah, she's the lead. Yes. 
Because yeah. it's about kind of what happens to her as her husband finds this right. out, and it's like... And also, if nobody's ever heard of uh, Charlotte Rampling, uh, one of the most beautiful humans just ever. Like, Google images of her. I mean, she's beautiful now, but images of her earlier. Uh, are you trying to find one for Chris? Okay. Uh, but she's a gorgeous, gorgeous person. Mm-hmm. Great actress now. And great, yeah. Yeah. great actress. Yeah. And then the, the last thing I watched was... Uh, uh, a documentary from the 90s called Four Little Girls, which was nominated for Best Doc, and it was, uh, Spike Lee did it for HBO, and it's about the, uh, 1963 Birmingham church bombing. Yeah. And, it's uh... The, the bombing at the beginning of Selma, if anybody's seen that. Yeah. And, uh, it's really good because he does a good job of focusing on the victims, and it's not, it is very... Understated and kind of subdued Very for a for uns- a spike, unspike Lee. Unspike Lee. Yeah, yeah. The the most incredible part of that movie though is he gets to sit down and interview with George Wallace wow. in nineteen ninety seven. George Wallace. I mean, there's a creep. It's just the saddest thing to watch. Like old, like you can barely understand him, George Wallace. Yeah, and then he pulls over his like black aide guy, and he's just like. He's my best friend. He like forces him on camera to basically. It's the most like, how can I be racist if I know a black I person? Got a black friend. Right. Yeah. And, and the the his 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 friend quote unquote friend is like not happy at all to be on camera. Yeah. He is clearly being trotted out for this interview. It's yeah. the most. It is a weird moment in the movie, <laughs> but for the most part, it doesn't get super political. And Lee does a good job of focusing on the the girls. Which is the the point of it? Hmm. Nice. Um, it's, uh, the talking to the families. The families are very, they're they're uh, good interview subjects. Um, and he, he gets because of his name recognition, Spike Lee's. He gets he gets pretty much anybody he wants right. to be in the movie, especially like ninety six, yeah, like ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, there is an uncomfortable little moment near the end when he decides that Bill Cosby should weigh in on the on everything, Ooh. but. Oh well, <laughs> everything else has aged well. <laughs> can I can I interject real quick to just say that Brent, like this is like the ghost in the machine. This is this is not a cry for help yet, but Brent said that he broke Oracle. This is it's the shibboleth. Uh, Brent didn't break Oracle. If you've been paying attention to the titles of the movies that Brent has yeah. watched, he's watching all the Oscar nominated movies. In, in alphabetical order. order. In order, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 400 Blows, Four Little Girls, yeah. like 310 to Yuma. He made it through the threes and into the fours. So yeah. expect five through Move zero. right along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it keeps it, it keeps it moving to like, I don't know, it's like just, 90s documentaries and then 50s westerns and whatnot. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's it for me. So yeah, I'm going to hit uh, my watch list, and pre my watch list, I'll say, when we hit our main topic today of word association, it's going to be a quick game, because cool. we're already at 48 minutes, and my watch list is going to get us to an hour. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Um, I did enough watching for everybody. Well, we're like not going to engage in anything you talk about, yeah, we're so just gonna I'm going to tilt the mic towards you, your you, mouth. You will. There, there are fun things to talk about. Here. I watched Jurassic Park again. <laughs> yeah. No, I did do that last week, though. I know. <laughs> um... But no, I did rewatch uh, one thing, but I, I, and I wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't Me incredible. Fun of you beforehand? Uh, no, I don't care about you. The movie was better I than you. I know you don't. <laughs> uh, we uh, freeformed today, all musical weekend last weekend, and uh, we sat down to eat dinner one night. And Beauty and the Beast was coming on the ninety one, 
Oh, Not nice. that weird French one. But <laughs> Brent loves. And not the new one. Yeah, no, not the new one. <laughs> so um, not I did rewatch that. And not I will talk about thirty six. But uh, no, uh, movie's incredible. The music's amazing. Some yeah. of the animation is mind blowing. Uh, to watch it again, in uh, you know, the first time I've seen it since I started enjoying good movies. That sounds real pretentious, but like following the Oscars and everything, like it got nominated for best picture, and I totally get it. Yeah. Um, in a year where there were only five. It does that weird hybrid, like when they do the sweep around the banquet when they're dancing. It's exactly where, where it's like, how is this hand drawn? Where it's it's not, it's it's not fully hand drawn. That's 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 where they first started to do that three D two D blend. Right. Well, it's still they're still both hand drawn there. Right. But that's like there's a computer element making it look the way it looks. Right. Yes. Um. um but it, but anyway, I don't want to spend too much time talking about that because the other ones are some of these are, are really good. Um. Uh, I watched, uh, written by, oh my god, I can't remember his name. Well, SNL, our the later. Uh, 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 Brigsby Bear guy. Kyle Mooney. Kyle Mooney. Yeah, Mooney. Uh, Brigsby I'll, Bear I'll, guy. I watched Brigsby Bear. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brigsby Bear was fantastic. Really, really good. Um, I didn't know a lot about the plot before I watched it, but, uh, he is a 26-year-old man who lives in a bunker with his parents. His dad yeah. is played by Mark Hamill, and, uh... You essentially find out that Mark Hamill kidnapped him when he was a kid from a hospital. Yeah. And took him home because they couldn't have a kid. And kept him buried away. And uh, made this kid's like Barney-style television show for him called Brigsby Bear. And it was like, you know, this is how you be kind to people. And also, like, compost goes in the green bin. Recycling goes in the blue bin. Like, how to, like, live his daily life. Yeah. But Kyle Mooney is like a... Not, like, hyper-intelligent, but a smart guy. And uh, also learns physics from Mark Hamill, who's a scientist. And is like, I think I broke... I think I figured out what Brigsby's going to do next. Like, he's so into the show. So he, like, makes, like, a presentation with a trifold board. Yeah. And he's like, if he can break this plane and use the ring of Zamoth to get here, <laughs> like, it could happen, right? And, like, only people he's ever known are his parents. He thinks yeah. the world is dead. Uh, so anyway, the, the FBI comes, raids their bunker... Put Mark Hamill in jail. He's free. This is all in the first like twenty minutes. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "I need the next episode of Brigsby Bear." And they're like, "That show's not real. It was made by your captors." Uh, he essentially ends up like, "I can write the last episode of Brigsby, but I need people to help me make it." Uh, so they make Brigsby Bear. That's the movie. Wow. He makes the last episode of this show he grew up with. Nice. It was really good. Uh, Matt Walsh, Claire Danes, Mark Hamill. Uh, his best friend from high school, Blake Bennett, who's also on SNL. Beck Bennett. Beck yeah. Bennett, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is, uh, in it. They wrote it together. But really good. Really good movie. Nice. That's that's one that was on my blind spot, my Oscar... For 2017, yeah. My Oscar-influenced blind spot, yeah, yeah. that I wanted to see. Uh, a couple of more I really want to talk about. I'm going to skip a lot of these because <laughs> I really want to spend time on a couple. Uh, there's this movie called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Anybody heard of this movie? I've heard of this. Okay. I've heard it's good. Cassandra is a, uh, my girlfriend, is a slasher more than horror, like, nut. Yeah. Loves slasher films. Uh, this is one of the best. It's also a parody of slasher movies. It's a mockumentary uh, where a film crew from a college decides to go film a guy who's going to commit the next big slasher murders in a town. So this exists in a universe where Freddy Krueger is real, Michael Myers is real, Jason Voorhees is real. Mm-hmm. And he knows 
that all that's real, and he's going to go make a stamp. Like, right. I'm going to commit my murders. In hit, hit the leaderboard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fucking hilarious. Oh, great. His dad is played by Herschel from Walking Dead. I can't remember his name right now. Scott. Scott Wilson. 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 Uh, who is a serial killer in his day who survived. So it's like him like grilling out, talking to the doc crew and his son. Like rocking chair, like, well, in my yeah. day. When he we... finds him, it's great. He's like, Mom, where's Dad? She's like, he's in the backyard. He's like, oh, you're going to love this. And he like takes the doc crew out back. And he's like, knocks on this coffin that's like kind of buried underground. And Scott <laughs> Wilson gets up and he's like, how long have you been in there? And he's like, three days. He's like, I told you you'd love him. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, but it's just all that like nonsense. Uh, and then at one point turns from mockumentary into actual slasher film. It does it seamlessly. Uh, and it turns into kind of being a scary movie. And there's a good twist. Like, it's it's a, a great movie. It's nice. super fun. What nice. is it again? Uh, Behind the Mask? Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Leslie awesome. Vernon is the serial killer. And it's on Amazon Prime streaming. It's awesome. Great. Cool. It's good for SEO to say titles of movies multiple times. Behind the Mask, <laughs> The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yes. Uh, weird, too, the lead role is the girl who makes fun of Kevin and Home Alone by speaking French. She's the lead in this movie. <laughs> we saw it and we were like, weird, we know her from somewhere. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, Cassandra, you were meant to love this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a Home Alone slasher mixed together. Um, I watched a lot of Hitchcock movies. I'm not going to talk about them too much. I've seen most of them before. Uh, but it did make me watch a non-Hitchcock movie. <laughs> uh, 1967 Audrey Hepburn movie, Wait Until Dark. Anybody ever seen it? Not. No. Do I know what it is? is that the, does she have like a disability in that? She's blind. Okay, I've right. heard of that then. Uh, Terrence Young is a director. It is a movie where Alan Arkin uh, pretty much bribes two con men into helping him rob this blind lady, played by Audrey Hepburn, later in her career. Uh, because she has come into a bunch of heroin. It's hidden in a doll. She doesn't know she has it. She just knows it's bad. But she's blind. Wait until dark. They decide to wait until dark to rob her. She's blind. When she realizes what's happening, she goes around and breaks all the light bulbs. Makes her apartment completely dark. That's the last third. The climax of the movie is pretty much pitch black. The whole thing takes place in her apartment. The whole film. Hmm. Um, it is fantastic. Nice. For a thriller. Uh, what they do with lighting and uh, what the characters do is really, really smart, I feel like, on a lot of stuff. They uh, do a lot of It'll be pitch black, and then like the villain will be like, "I'm just gonna crack the refrigerator for a second. So he'll get like, like he'll see where light. she is, and yeah. then he'll close it, and it's just like, oh, nice. and then like she'll like light a match because there's gasoline on the floor, and you'll see him in a completely different place. Wow, and he'll get real scared because the fire's lit. And he's like, "Don't drop that!" and yelling at Audrey Hep- and Audrey Hepburn also plays a blind girl. Amazing, hmm. this is really really good, really really good movie. What's um, that on? On anything? Uh, it was purchased by me. Oh, cool. Yeah. I actually own it now. It's a DVD. So, yeah. Uh, Wait Until Dark was a, a fantastic watch if you feel like going and running it. It was uh, really, really fun. Uh, uh, yeah, I did watch a, a slew of Hitchcock movies. and <laughs> This is funny. One of them was also rented for two ninety nine. I rented a movie called The 39 Steps, which is super early Hitchcock. And it's uh, kind of a Mr. and Mrs. Smith vibe on a movie it's a couple meets trying to do the same heist one night ended up falling in love uh, but then what sorry about that last week I think 
No, me and you just talked about it. Oh. On Tuesday. It's blending together because last podcast, <laughs> it was just you and me talking. Right. <laughs> Except uh, now it's you and me talking, plus people, plus recording. Yeah, I also have watch lists. I was like, I don't think so. That was, was like two days ago when I watched it. Um, but then, oddly, I, I bought a computer and we had to, like, we cleaned our office at our house. And I found where I was like, oh, I have Alfred Hitchcock's first 20 films on DVD. <laughs> I didn't, didn't know I had it. <laughs> so that was a $3 that was wasted. Um, it's okay. I did watch one called Shadow of a Doubt, which is one I've never seen. Uh, I rewatched Birds and Rare Window. They're both amazing. If you haven't seen them, go see them. But uh, hot take. Shadow of a Doubt was uh, really good. It's a, a girl whose favorite uncle comes to visit her family. She immediately realizes her uncle is a notorious serial killer. And it's her dealing with everybody who loves him not believing it and her trying to figure out how to, you know, have the truth come to light. Hmm. It's very good. I'm having a really hard time now discerning what you've told me and what we've <laughs> talked about on this podcast. Uh, trust me, it's not been on the podcast. I I, I believe you. <laughs> but, but like a Hitchcock film, I think that that <laughs> the, the, the world lying? that the world is different around me, and you have ulterior motives for this. I don't. I also watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No! <laughs> no. Yeah. I watched, I watched a few other movies, but uh, not much worth talking about there. I watched Nan, the animated film. Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah. We've been talking about it in a trivia it's, sense. Everybody, everybody that I've seen it, everybody that's seen it, and when I've asked about it, they're like, it's fine. And then I watched it, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it checks out. It's if, if you have an interest in watching the movie Nine, really watch the short film. There's a 20-minute short film. It does the same thing? No. It, it, it's just enough. It cuts out <laughs> the numbers one through eight, and it is just about nine escaping from these, like, terrible mechanical beasts. And, like, that's the good parts of nine. Yeah. And... Yeah, the backstory was a little... I think five is in the short film, and he, like, tells nine the reason why he needs to escape them and not just be some puppet for the carving. And, like, so that's important a little bit, but, like, the short film is it. This is an example of a movie that went from short film to feature film, and there wasn't enough editing involved. In Which is what happened with the, the director guy. They were like, hey, make a movie. We'll give you a million dollars. He's like, nah. He's like, we'll give you five million dollars. He's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, another one that I'll get, doesn't deserve a lot of time. They got nominated for an Oscar a couple years ago. I watched Trumbo, finally. The Brian Cranston oh, cool. movie. Yeah. Uh, the only good thing about that movie is Brian Cranston. Great. So, Academy checks out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty bad movie. Also, starring Michael Stuhlbarg, though. <laughs> Can't escape that fucker. Um, <laughs> so we've reached part of the podcast where we're going to pretend like we have a theme for it. Um, or we could just end it and tell them that we did what they said. We should just do it and make it last like eight minutes. Cool. We yeah, got it. That's fine. Yeah. Word association. We're naming movies based off words. Supply to us start by with a third party. Yeah. A third party who neither one of which can follow the rules. But we're gonna do it anyway. Alright, uh, no no duplication. I wanna put that out there just so that we all mention a different movie. Okay. And no we'll start with you first, I'll go first next, you'll go first third. And then there's no there's no revisiting the well. If we said something at word one, we Ooh, can't say it at out word of the ten. Bank. I like it. So we're going to say and 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 mention and talk about talk about loosely 30 different movies 30 different movies okay 
will be mentioned in the next six and a half minutes. <laughs> I don't know why we're like... I don't know either. <laughs> Oranges. Um, uh, Tangerine. I really want to see it. Oh, uh, nice. Loved... Sean Baker's debut. Yep. Loved Florida Project. That is definitely on my list for this year. Nice. You'll hear about it in the watch list in the next 40 weeks. Uh, mine's going to be a documentary that I've rewatched recently. And uh, one of my favorite nonfiction books, Freakonomics, is the first one that comes to mind. Maybe nice. because of the cover of the, the movie the, and the book. Cutting through an apple and, and it's... The inside uh, is orange. Uh, yeah. They pick four of the stories from the book and they do them really well. And huh. the... Uh, in the dock. Uh, the Godfather. Uh, uh, he, uh, Vito dies while eating oranges and, and playing with his playing with his kids. Or his grandkids. Nice. It's, a, it's a very like peaceful death for a very violent man. Alright. So I'm going first this time. Basketball is the word. Uh, word association game. The first one that comes to mind is basketball. The South Park creators... Poor attempt at a comedy. <laughs> the movie's fine. It's not great. Yeah. It came up recently on a thing I was watching about... Um, uh, Wired does a thing. Uh, they just started naming it. Uh, uh, Expert Technique. And for the previous three episodes, it's been a linguist talking about either accents or dialects that were created. They just released a new one, which I watched, which is a uh, medical resident who talks about bad science in movies and she references basketball nice. and says like obviously everything they're doing in this clip in basketball is 100% correct <laughs> <laughs> fun Brent uh, basketball Hoosiers great movie Hoosiers is good great Dennis Hopper role maybe yeah. one of my favorites yeah good. just a just a good I think a lot of a lot of sports movies try to recapture that magic and they all fail yeah I feel like that's a movie that's in my blind spot that's like a Rudy type movie where even if you don't like sports you should watch it it's Rudy if Rudy was a team yeah um, for mine it's uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth um, nice he got game he got game uh, I was <laughs> when you said it I was like oh you know we just talked about uh, Spike Lee, do the right thing, and I couldn't remember the name of the movie, but I always remember Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah, Denzel's really good in that movie. Uh, and, uh, Ray Allen. Yeah, Ray Allen's really good. Really good. Yeah. And nice. a weird athlete turned actor. Yeah. Really good, mate. Uh, Brent, your word is Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> uh, uh, it's actually the first thing that comes to mind is The Good Girl. Which was uh, one of her early ones. It's uh, the one of the few instances where I've been like, "Damn, she can act." Nice. Uh, the one that came to my mind is "We Are the Millers." That that is a Jennifer Aniston movie. That is not an example of her being able to act. <laughs> I say that's one of those movies where I was like, "Ah, she can't act." Well, this <laughs> may be because it's St. Patty's Day, but the first one that popped into my mind was Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> that's her one of her debuts. It's right? her first. It's her first. Yeah, yeah. it's pre Friends. Uh, Chris. Silence. I mean, Silence. I would love to say that it's Scor- Scorsese, but it's Silence of the Lambs. Uh, you know, I love that this is just word association continuing. I love that Get Out got a bunch of love this year. I was hoping it could have eked into Best Picture God, for the first been, thriller in there. Would have been great. Uh, yeah. That's, I watched Silence last year. I was the only person to watch Silence last year. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. The movie Silence by Quentin Tarantino, not Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, the Adam Driver movie. It's fine. 
It's Prime for free now, so... I wish that was a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> like a 60s surf rock soundtrack. <laughs> it's, uh... What are, what, where are they from in the movie? Uh, Spain? Portugal. Portugal. Portuguese monks yeah. heading east. Anyway. Uh, mine is one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. Dead Silence. It's where uh, the ventriloquist dolls come to life uh, and torture people. And also, the woman pulls out your bottom jaw if you scream when you see her. There's like, just yanks it out. There's like 20 of those. <laughs> um, for me, Silence makes me think of... I think the name of the movie is Hush... And yes. The, is that the woman who's deaf that's locked in her yep. her house? Yeah. Yeah. Being terrorized by that one guy. Really good, like little. She's deaf movie. or blind? She's deaf. Okay. Because it's the guy from Newsroom. I thought he took off his mask though. He takes his mask off because she knows he knows that he can't tell. She can't tell anyone. Is she deaf or is she blind? I think she's blind. No, she's deaf. Because she has the bright the bright light alarm when someone rings the doorbell. Uh, that's it. Yep. Yeah. That, that checks. So <laughs> worthless to a blind person. <laughs> right. we, TJ, the reason why you're confusing it, we recently talked about "Don't Breathe" and "Hush." Okay. In the same conversation. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I really liked "Hush." We yeah, watched it the too. same day that we watched "House," which is coming to the Plaza near us in Atlanta, yeah. or came last week. Uh, really liked "Hush." It's got uh, Don, not Don, but the other guy from Newsroom, yeah, Michaela's assistant, that guy who's been in a few other she's things. Yeah, she's in Short Term Twelve, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But great film. Yeah. Next word. TJ, you go first. I'm going first. Uh, it's Boots. Boots. This is the first one. Uh, I'm going to get Milo and Otis. My first cat that I actually liked. And the only cat I've actually liked. <laughs> Sorry, current cat, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Cat. <laughs> she knows. She knows. That <laughs> just fucking you broke me. <laughs> what? You just apologize? We don't even have 20 people who listen to this podcast. And you're like, oh, but my cat definitely listens to this. <laughs> uh, anyway, my first cat, the one I liked, was uh, named Boots. So yeah. Cats, boots, Milo and Otis was great. Better than Homeward Bound, for sure. Better than Sassy. Sassy was a shitty cat. Sassy. Sally Field. Not God. a cat. Sally Field. <sighs> I don't even remember the word. Boots? Boots. boots. Oh, boots. Yeah, boots. Um, okay, weirdly, the first uh, thing I can think of is The Empire Strikes Back, where uh, Luke is hanging. His boots are uh, frozen in ice, and he has to cut himself free in the. I've always loved that scene. Nice. nice. I do like that. That is a weird moment in the original trilogy with a lot of tension. That's also the very first moment that you that like you see somebody use the force in more than just a like in an like an actual out of necessity. Yeah. Um and like in everyday this is how it's practical for me as an adventurer. Yeah. Uh I, I weirdly thought of uh and boots I hear some stupid Bootsy Collins and I thought about Pootie Tang. Nice. Um, that's that, like, you know, musician from Mars kind of movie. And uh, I really fucking like the movie Booty Tang. Booty Tang's great. <laughs> I like, we, we had a, a mutual friend uh, who I referred to as Booty Tang forever. Um, and still do. Uh, you know, just the, the, the weirdness in it is so resonant. Uh, written by uh, R.I.P. His Career, Louis C.K. 
Yeah. It's, it's just a really clever movie. It is. Uh, Brent, you're up. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I broke everybody with my apologizing <laughs> to a feline thing. Fantasy. Fantasy. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, I mean, it's it's boring, but it's uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, yeah. because it's it was I I never read any of the books. I'd never read fantasy books at that point in, in any way, and that was just watching that movie. I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is I the should best. Read, of I should the read these books. Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings movies too. I think the first one is still the best. Yeah. Uh, I definitely went with people who knew even less than me about Lord of the Rings uh, because at the end they're like, uh, as soon as the credits rolled, there's this girl like two seats down from me was like loudly said, "So are they gonna go get rid of the ring or not?" Yeah, <laughs> you need to chill out. I was yeah. like, "You're gonna hate." You got this. about seven <laughs> hours to wait. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Uh, I thought about the Dark Crystal. It's um, one of the. I'm trying to like hear the word and then say a movie in my mouth without you know, right making it audible. That by the Dark Crystal, it's a movie, you know, David Bowie, yeah, that love him, Jennifer Connelly. If you just say a word, <laughs> we can talk with our mouths closed. <laughs> but um, it's it's one of those that has a fan base that is voracious. That I just like, yeah. I've mm. seen once and was like, that was a silly, stupid movie that I know that people just love. That I think I need to watch again to respect. Yeah. Uh, mine is, is, it's fun. It's actually proof that I've merged sci-fi and fantasy in my head a lot. My first thought was Tron. Hmm. Um, I mean, definitely fantasy in a way that it is fantastical. This, this is a fun conversation because I think for a podcast topic, we need to talk about where we draw the line between sci-fi and fantasy. It's hard. Because with Ready Player One coming out in like a week... I think I think that is a good line to draw. It's hard to draw on that line because Ready Player One is a movie that is a sci-fi universe, but takes place wholly within a fantasy realm. Right. Like unlike Annihilation or you know even Star Wars, really. Is, yeah. Feels like more sci-fi than fantasy to me. Oh, to me, Star Wars is fantasy. Weird. And, and, and space and, fantasy. Yeah, but, that's the thing is that sci- that Star Wars always skirts that by inventing the space opera genre. Yeah. I would love to talk about that sometime soon. Sure. Yeah. We just did that that job we have to do. Yeah. Uh, Who's up first now? This is all of our our pre-podcast meetings. Uh, It's like, what are we talking about? What is my next word? Starfish. Enhance. 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 Starfish. Uh, A video game popped in my head. Uh, I I haven't been able to get an SNES Classic, uh, but I really want one. In the game Earthbound, which is a classic (laughs) RPG... There is a character who kind of sets off the events of the game, whose name is very easy, Starman, uh-huh. who's the alien who kind of propels the time-traveling ways of the protagonist, like, forward and backward. Um, made me think of that, because he's just, you know, very simply represented as, like, he's an alien, and he has, like, no clear features, but he's drawn, like, it looks like the visor where his eyes should be, could either be two eyes or two like things in a glass screen. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why I went there, oh, but I did. Nice. Like I said, I'm being trying to be really true to this word. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go game. super literal, and it was the first thing that popped into my head when I said the word starfish. Uh, top three or four Pixar movie for me is Finding Nemo, hmm. and uh, I love the Aquarian setting. 
yeah. aquarium setting really in Finding Nemo. It's really interesting little <clears throat> little subplot. Yeah, maybe. Uh, for me, I also started thinking about like fish, and I realized I can't think of anything with a starfish specifically. But I did think of the Naked Gun with uh, Leslie Nielsen, where there's a there's a scene with uh, the uh, where he's visiting Ricardo Montalban's like super swanky apartment well, to interview fancy him, aquarium. and he's got all these like extremely rare fish in it, and he's just reaching his he drops his like watch in or something and he's reaching in to get it and he gets like some like little tiger fish or something like stuck on his hand and it's worth like ten thousand dollars and he kills it and it's i love leslie nelson i love those movies yeah anyway tj Uh, you go first nature is the word for this one uh nature's hard i'm actually gonna go uh i'm gonna go lord of the rings i'm gonna go i think it's the two towers Introduction and of the Ents. That's two towers. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, you almost violated my made-up rule that we can't double up on movies. Yeah, I was just trying to remember which one the Ents were yep, introduced to. two towers. And uh, they were the characters I was most excited for when the movies were announced. I was like, I get to see Ents. That's crazy. Yeah. They were my favorites in the books. We had those books read to us when we were little. Yeah, that's a genuine opinion. Because I remember we talked about, like, where do you rank these movies? And you were like, but the two towers. Like, you get to finally see Ents. Yeah. And I, was, I looked at you like... I don't remember being excited about that, but if you are, like, that's cool, yeah, man. Yeah, no, I was really excited to see Hits for the first time. For nature, um, you'll have to help uh, think it's Kings of Summer. Is that what the name yeah. of the was? No, Where, no. Uh, I love that you were there. there. Yeah. The, the Nick Offerman movie? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Kings of Summer. That's kind of, that's what that movie feels like to me, is just enjoying nature in summer. I love that you went there because the thing that came to my head was Into the Wild. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, we just talked about it recently, and that's like, if I thought about getting lost in nature, I wouldn't not think about Emil Hirsch uh, and the Magic Bus. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like uh, Kings of Summer is my kind of getting lost in nature. Lost as long as you're about an acre away from your dad's right. house, and you build a house that has all the trappings of modern yeah. life. <laughs> That's like my version of camping, where it's like, well, if I can park my car next to it, yeah, and as long as I can like have a shower nearby and working <laughs> toilets, then like. Yeah, I love camping. I love camping. <laughs> space, space. Uh, oh my god, it's the mo- it's the like nineteen eighty five movie with Ethan Hawke called Explorers. No, oh, nice. It's the first thing out there where these kids build a, a spaceship in their backyard out of a trash can, pretty really much. Good. And nice. it is the most. It's a great kids movie. I feel like they don't make those kinds of movies anymore, where it's just like fun movies about kids doing cool things that they used. To, I feel like they used to make those. For our generation, so much. But. Kings of Summer. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They are they are rare for sure. Um, space. When you say space, I just think of like the TV show that starts with someone going space. <laughs> just Star Trek. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't count how many times I've tried to start the next generation, uh, and I just like. There's the third episode, which is one of, like, the big fan favorites for, like, great Star Wars. Star Trek. My bad. I'm gonna fuck that up. I'll murder Chris. Don't worry, <laughs> listeners. Um, but Star Trek fans point to the trial of Jean-Luc Picard as, like, one of the greatest yeah. episodes. Um, I hit a roadblock there. But I really want to get through TNG because it's supposed to be some of the best TV that has ever aired. Um, and I'm a big Battlestar Galactica fan. I obviously love the Star Wars movies, but um, 
you know, I, I want to stick it through TNG for Star Trek, um, but that's what I think of, because the intro monologue does start with someone going, space, the way you just did. Nice. <laughs> uh, first time I popped into my mind was a movie that my mom still shows students every year in school. Not sure why she does, but she can. Red uh, Pavement. Enemy Mine. Remember the movie Enemy Mine? Mm-hmm. Louis Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid? Hmm. They are uh, both stranded on a... Uh, they're both like crash land on a planet. And it's uh, they're fighting a war. Aliens versus humans. Dennis Quaid plays the human. Louis Gossett Jr. doesn't look like him. He plays a scaly, like, mm-hmm. lizard kind of alien. Yeah. Uh, but it's essentially like two enemies crash land their fighter jets on, like, a moon. And uh, they have to survive together. Cool. Great. It's a really, yeah. really fun movie from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, last one. Who's going first? Uh, the last person. Chris. Me. Right? Uh, the, no. The, you. I went first last time, so you. Chris. Chris. Yeah. The yeah. word is genitals. Genitals. 40-year-old virgin. Nice. Uh, we kind of joked before we got these words, but... <laughs> Uh, I was thinking about the Genesis uh, season three of Love Is Out, um, and that is the next TV show that Kelly and I are going to plow through. Um, but I was thinking about the genesis of the Apatow. We joke here and say Apatwegian, but the Apatow like Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And lots of people point to Knocked Up, but like it's really around like a little before and Forty Year Old Virgin, because uh, that was released like a yeah, year before. Forty Year Old Virgin was first, yeah. Year. Uh, I love the Apatow like sexual humor comedy. Yeah, it it's, they're really good. It's so and this is like like you know I get the criticisms of me as SJW person, but like it's so gender neutral, just making fun of like sex as a human being. Right. Like four year old version is without criticism, uh, and it's just really funny and. Genitals, pussy on the pedestal, that stuff is, uh, is yeah. where I'm there. It's Conrad from Weeds. Yeah, my, my genitals movie is definitely uh, one of my favorite directors now. It's Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights, starring Mark Wish It Was Real Wahlberg. <laughs> That's where the genitals comes in. But Brent, what you got? Uh, Borat. Nice. <laughs> you definitely see genitals in that movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um... Yeah, that's it. So now knowing that both people broke rules because I left two words off of the last five. Not, not this is not for the podcast. Who, who's five? Do you think was who's five? I did them in order. I did five first, then five from the other last. Um, so who went first? Who went last? I think you took Cassandra's. Which Cassandra's one's the last? Cassandra was last. Who who? I did five of one and then five of the other. Who went first? I will who say. Went last? I will say Kelly did. Jennifer Aniston. Okay. No. No. Cassandra did Jennifer Aniston. Kelly did genitals. Correct. Oh. <laughs> because Kelly, once she was told You would the think rules, that Cassandra would break the rules, though. Right. Once, once yeah. Kelly was told the rules, and then and then we called her for breaking them, yeah. she was not going to break them again. Yeah. True. No, she sent me seven. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> so she still broke them. <laughs> yeah. I just skipped two. Did nice. the last five. But... So, I hope you had fun with those stupid game. Think about, you know, the movies that you think of. Uh, it, this is actually weird. I mean, I wrote down a note in my phone for a potential future podcast topic. Um, this is, it's it's a dumb but fun way that we tricked some of our partners into playing along with us. 
um, and making us kind of examine stuff we hadn't thought about in a while. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't watch Enemy Mine again. I haven't watched that movie in years. Yeah. I I watch Explorers. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to fire up The Next Generation, you know. Yeah, give it a go. It's it's a it's a fun thing to do, um, you know. This is not a you know color within the lines play at home moment, but I'm just saying, uh, forgive us for what happened the last 15 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> but hey, thanks for tuning in, having fun, talky talk podcast for the media Make sure you hit us up on Facebook. Uh, also, our Facebook groups where we do most of the talking, uh, movies by us, TV by us, games by us. But be sure to like our page. The Media Bias on Facebook. You can hit us up at TheMediaBias at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and the website as well. Anything else, guys? Give us a rating on uh, podcasting sites because that helps uh, other people find us. It's so good that Brent's here. We forgot that last week. We did forget that last week. So give us two five-star ratings. Yes. This week. (laughs) Or two one-star ratings. It doesn't matter. We can be... Anything. Just you rate us. us. You give us one five-star rating or five one-star ratings. Uh, yeah. And especially, like I said, I know there are a lot of y'all that just stream from the website, but even if that's all you do, go rate us on iTunes anyway. Um, it helps. Yeah, and uh, this ep- this episode is probably going to be edited by uh, either TJRI, which means that we don't have the technical wherewithal <laughs> to put intro and outro music, so I still want to thank the bands that give us for 85 episodes, the music that we go in and out on. So thank you to the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. And thank you to Boo Reefa. Boo Reefa. Ding, 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 And thanks for you guys to listening. Down on dusty roads. <laughs>